Well, Merry Christmas to you. We are entering into December here, and this is the Sunday School lesson for Graceway Baptist Church for December the 6th, if you can believe it. It's here, and uh, it's a busy time, and I want to um, want to have you think about that uh, as we do this uh, particular lesson, you teachers are listening to this in advance. Be sure and um, encourage your class to come to the Christmas musical that is uh, tonight. I guess we'd say I'm recording this early and it kind of messes my mind up. But uh, the Christmas musical, Lord willing, is December the 6th on Sunday evening. And uh, to invite people to come and we'll have a great time. The choir and the orchestra and Brother Dale, they have worked very, very hard and a lot of long hours on this. And we appreciate it uh, very much. Also... December the 20th, we have a couple of things. We're going to have a Lord's Supper service that night. And we've got uh, the little, you know, they say, how are we going to pass out the, the bread and the juice without, you know, infecting everybody? Well, we've got little self-contained uh, containers that have both the juice and the bread in them. And you'll be able to pick that up when you come in. Nobody's going to pass it out to you. And then when you can take your seat and then we'll observe it together. And you just open up, peel off this one thing and there's the little bread. And then you peel the second thing and then you can drink the juice. And um, we're going to have a great time. It'll be our candlelight Lord's Supper where we uh, remember the uh, real reason that Jesus came. And that's what a lot of people forget. Jesus was not just a baby who came because God wanted us to have a holiday and wanted us to have something to do. Uh, there was a reason for all of that. He was born to die. And we must never, ever forget the reason for the incarnation. Incarnate means putting on flesh. And that was done so that Jesus could die. You uh, can't kill God, can you? But if God puts on skin and flesh and blood, then he can be nailed to a cross and die and give his life for us. And that uh, is something that we must never, ever forget. And then uh, right after that, we are going to be having a wedding ceremony. And so that's going to be a lot of fun. And there'll be a, a, a small reception after that. Who's getting married, you say? Well, it's our elder, Steve Elkins, and his fiance Nancy. And we want to rejoice together as a church family. So those are things that are coming up. Those will be the only two evening services that we'll be having in December. We're trying to uh, watch all of these things with all of the spike and the COVID things right now. We want to do our part to try to help. But we also want to make sure that we are doing what the Bible says in gathering. And that's why we do that on Sunday morning. And uh, doing it for the glory of God and so that we can exhort one another. Which leads me to another thing. That as you are thinking about your giving and all of that this year. Please continue to give your offerings to the church. And uh, uh, we don't want uh, Miss Susan and Brother Dale to have to be struggling on how they're going to pay bills or payroll or anything like that. So keep giving like that. It's very important. And there'll be various mission projects and things like that that you also give to. And we appreciate that. And also uh, our staff love offering. This pandemic has not been easy 
on uh, the church staff. Now, again, most of you know, but for you, the, those of you who may be new, I don't take up this offering for myself. I take it up for our staff, and we uh, divide it up and give it to the, uh, the staff members that you see, but also there are people behind the scenes, and we try to share some of that with them as well. And uh, we do that to kind of help supplement their salary and also to give them a little bit of a boost at a time of year that is a little bit more expensive than normal. But above all, it's just simply so that we can say, hey, we love you and we appreciate what you're doing. So with all of that in mind, uh, teachers help me to promote that, help me to push that and our people will respond as they do very, very well and uh, they'll be blessed by doing it because uh, Jesus is quoted in the book of Acts by the Apostle Paul saying that it is more blessed to give than to receive and we certainly want our church members to have the joy and the blessing of giving and uh, God will give back to them as well. Um, speaking of COVID and everything, you know, there's so much that goes on to where you wonder, are they playing with numbers? And sometimes I do feel like they're manipulated and I do uh, kind of feel like uh, a conspiracy theorist on some of this stuff because, you know, I just wonder, I think people use it and they use it in the wrong way. And, uh, I just full disclosure, I tend to think that it came from China, that they were probably working on some kind of a bioweapon and it got away from them. I don't know that, but you don't know that I'm wrong, do you? And, uh, oh, well, all you have to do is go on Facebook and everybody's an expert. And uh, it's just all shared ignorance, isn't it? We just don't really know. But I do know this. I've never in the years that I've lived seen anybody die from the flu. But man, I have already known at least three people that have died of COVID and uh, extended friends, people that I know who live in other parts of the country. I'm seeing things that people that um, are somewhat prominent even uh, in the ministry who are in ICU and declining because of COVID. Some of them have preached in this church before. Some of you may remember Phil Hoskins. And uh, he preached here when Papa Sam was a pastor. And uh, he um, is declining rapidly and people like that. So let's take it seriously. And when we come to church, do us a favor and humorous if you think it's foolish just humorous and wear your mask when you're going to and from your Sunday school rooms or you're going to and from the auditorium and uh, just you know let's just do that it makes everybody feel a little better and and uh, take it seriously and then of course you can take it off when you are seated because we try to have you uh, distant enough to where um, you won't have any trouble or cause any trouble and um, as we think about all of these things that are going on, pray for people. I did a funeral just uh, as I'm recording this just yesterday. There was a, a lady whose son passed away the day before Thanksgiving. And he was 47 years old. He had cerebral palsy. He had never walked. He had never been out of bed. He had never spoken. He wasn't able to talk. 
And uh, that, that's kind of amazing to think about. He wasn't supposed to live, but maybe 14 years, and he lived 47 years. And uh, the good news in that is I got to stand out in a cold cemetery yesterday, but I got to tell them the heartwarming story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So pray for people like that. There are a lot of people that are grieving. The funeral home told me that on that particular day, they had four services that they were doing simultaneously. And that they had uh, 12 families scheduled to meet with the funeral home to plan a service uh, on today. This would be Tuesday. And so uh, there's a lot going on and a lot of people that are hurting. And so during this Christmas season, let's tell them the good news. Uh, let's, let's, let's be done with all of the flaky stuff and all of the superficial stuff that we have. And let's take it seriously. God has given us a gift in all of this pandemic and in the fear and in the concern and in all of that kind of stuff. We have a message and we have a message of hope. And let's not waste it. Let's not waste this time that we have from the Lord. And so we're going to be talking this Christmas season and during this month about some of these things. And so let's turn to the book of Luke and let's go to chapter 2. And we're going to try to do more than just rehash an old story that you um, have memorized. At least Linus has it memorized in the Charlie Brown Christmas thing, right? Um, we're going to try to look at it. Here's the title of the lesson today. What the culture around us doesn't get. Because they don't understand Christmas. And one of the things that, oh, it sort of frustrates me, sort of aggravates me, and yet at the same time, it, it breaks my heart. Whenever you watch some of these cheesy movies and, you know, Christmas shows, and maybe there's a show you watch every week, but now they have a Christmas episode or something, and they're always going to teach somebody about the true meaning of Christmas. Now, what does that always entail? Most often, it entails going to a homeless shelter. Now, am I against going to a homeless shelter, and feeding the homeless. Absolutely not. In fact, I'm very proud of our church and the work that we do at Mission 405 because just before Thanksgiving, we fed like 425 families. Now, that family could be one because some of them are homeless people and single people. But it could be a family of five, a family of eight. We don't know. By the time you total all of that up, it's well over a thousand people that our church helped to feed. Man, we loaded them up on all of that. So am I against that? No. But that's not the true meaning of Christmas. The true meaning of Christmas is not giving little Johnny the bicycle that he's always wanted or Ralphie the BB gun or whatever it is you might think about. It's not that at all. It's not helping Buddy the Elf find a home and acceptance. I mean, all of those kind of things could be wrapped up in it, but they fall far short of what really is intended. And after all, the definition of sin is falling short of the glory of God. And that's what Christmas does. And if you and I are not careful, we're going to participate in those things. And all the while, we're saying we need to put Christ back in Christmas. Well, the question is, are you? 
And uh, how do you put him in? And how much do you put him in? And how much do you emphasize? And uh, we do all of the fun stuff too because years ago we decided we didn't want our children to grow up thinking that serving Jesus meant that everything was taken from you. We wanted to find out a way to redeem those things. As the Apostle Paul said, we are to redeem the time and yet at the same time not let that stuff, the junk, the temporary things uh, overshadow what really matters. It is hard, isn't it? And it's bigger than all of us. And so you could pull away, separate. We're not going to have anything to do with it. I promise you, your kids are going to see and hear about Santa Claus and presents and all of that kind of stuff no matter what. It's a tough thing. So you've got to work really hard at trying to redeem all of this and not fall into the trap of what the world doesn't get. Now... When we uh, think about Luke chapter 2, we're going to go down verses 8 to 14 at the angelic announcement of the uh, birth of the Messiah. And let me just say, all believers share in the concern that Christmas is commercialized, materialistic, and has little to do with Jesus. The world is stuck in Romans 3, 10 through 17. I mean, they're stuck. It's a quagmire. No one's exempt. What is that? Well, you remember, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No matter how hard they try to make it righteous, it's stained and tainted with their unrighteousness, isn't it? No one understands. That's why as much as we squawk and foam at the mouth and scream and holler and we stick bumper stickers on our car and we post things on Facebook. No one understands. And it says no one seeks for God. Why? Because they don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to them. They don't understand. And then it says all have turned aside and together they have become worthless and no one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave and they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps, that's a snake by the way, is under their lips and their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Hey, by the way, why do people cuss? It's not just a bad habit. It's because their hearts are bitter. They need Jesus to change that, don't they? And their feet are swift to shed blood and in their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. And so when we talk about the Prince of Peace and all of that, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, they don't get it. And they misdefine it. And they look for it in all the wrong places. And they grab onto all the wrong things. And that's why we as ambassadors of Christ ought to take advantage of this season of the year to share the truth with them. Because we are liberated from Romans, a Romans 3 quagmire. We are liberated from it. We are different. So let's make sure we get it right. Now in Luke chapter 2 verse 8 it says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Which leads a lot of scholars to believe that the birth of Jesus really wasn't in December, that it was probably more in the spring. Verse 9, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. 
Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which uh, will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the... uh, Uh, the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, interestingly, not singing, saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Okay, what is it that the world doesn't get that we should get? Well, number one has to be this, the glory of God. This is an event that was about the glory of God. When the angels came to announce to the shepherds, what is the first thing that it says happened? The glory of God shone round about them. Terrified them. Terrified them to see the glory of God. You know, when you think about the glory of God, the Bible says no one has seen God and lived. Moses is the only one that came close, but he had to be hidden in the rock and uh, kind of, you know, took a peek and saw the backside of the glory or he would have died. If he had hit it full force, he couldn't have stood it. When you think about the glory of God, that's what sin, as I mentioned earlier, is falling short of the glory of God, which we all do. And when we think about the glory of God, it's not until our bodies are glorified at the coming of Christ in the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4, and we are changed, can we actually be in the presence of God and we have to be glorified as he was glorified, which is what Jesus prayed for in John 17, if you remember. I mean, this is about the glory of God and it it terrified them. Until the angel said, don't be afraid. And when you get to the end of the announcement, it's like a sandwich. What happens at the end? The angels start saying, glory to God in the highest. See? How much glory does God receive out of the world's Christmas celebration? Well, maybe a better question is, how much glory does he receive out of yours? How much glory do your children and your grandchildren see in the Christmas celebration? It's really something to think about because the world can't help it. And if we pattern everything after what they do and we try to match what they do on TV or a movie or something like that, what are we really doing? We're falling far short of where we ought to be. You and I have the capacity because we are born again and because of the new nature that we have, because of the word of God that actually makes sense to us, because the Holy Spirit lives in us to teach us truth, we can take this season of the year and we can bring glory to the Lord. We bring glory to God by witnessing. We bring glory to God by giving. We bring glory to God through our selfless generosity of our time and material possessions. We bring glory to God by seeing our sin and confessing our sin. We bring glory to God by being willing to suffer for his sake and we can go on and on. Do a study sometime 
Take your computer and just look up as in a concordance all the references to the glory of God and see what people did and see what was ascribed as something that brings glory to God. And that ought to be the way that our Christmas is celebrated. This is about the incarnation of Christ and the reason for it, not just a date on a calendar and not just a time where we can have a little bit of fun. This is about his plan for redemption. This is about his hatred of sin. The only reason God would send his son into the world is because he hates sin. Your sin, my sin, the sin of the world, whatever it is, he hates all sin and some sin he hates worse than others they're called abominations right but he hates it all and Jesus had to come to die so that that he so that he could be punished for our sin the sins of those who would believe so it tells us about his hatred for sin but doesn't it also tell us about his love for sinners here we were in the quagmire of Romans 3 no way out We don't understand. We don't seek for God. Everything we do is messed up and stained and repulsive to God. And so this God loves us enough to send his son and rescue sinners like us. That's what this is all about. The willingness of Jesus to come to earth. Can you imagine? God the Son, Jesus Christ. Whenever the Trinity planned this, I don't know how it happened and I don't know how to even describe it. But let's say they were all sitting around a council table in eternity past. And God the Father says, we're going to create human beings and they're going to fall into sin. And I want to redeem them through the shedding of blood. And God the Son says, I'll do it. I'll go. And he comes out of love for Adam's fallen descendants, people like us to die on the cross as the innocent in the place of the guilty, bearing something he could not even conceive of, the wrath of his own father toward our sin and all of that falling on Jesus, the willingness of Jesus to come to earth and focusing on the reason for his birth. He didn't come and uh, be born on earth because we need to learn to be more compassionate, even though we do. He didn't come and be born in a stable and laid in a manger because we ought to think about those who are less fortunate, which we should. But that all misses the point. He was born to die and to die for us because of our sin. We are the reason for his death and suffering. Number two, what the world doesn't get, the proclamation of joyful news. You see, when you talk to the typical person out in the world and you tell them, what is the best news about Christmas? And they may say something about, oh, grandma's cookies, a turkey, mistletoe. You know, Nat King Cole sings about that, doesn't he? And uh, we talk about all of those kind of things, the reunion and the happiness. And in all the shows, I mean... You know, uh, two people that are in love and they break up. But by the end, Christmas brings them back together. It brings prodigals home. It brings, you know, uh, orphans get adopted and all of that. Wonderful. 
But real life tells us that doesn't happen. There are a lot of people that are going to get together on December 25th and they hate each other on December 25th and they're still going to hate each other on December 26th. Marriages fail on December 25th like they do any other time. People have heart attacks on December 25th. I mean, think about all of that that goes on. And everything that the world has, it's not always good news. A lot of people fathom this they hate going to church at christmas but they go because they think it's the only way they're going to get to heaven so they go and they light a candle and they maybe set through a a a mass or something like that or they go to church with grandma and and just you know set through and endure a sermon and a story that they don't even believe think about what all it means think about the family members that get together and and uh, they have to just kind of swallow everything that they have inside of them because they can't stand that person that they're sitting across the table from but for the sake of peace and harmony they don't say anything and uh Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled, means nothing to them at all. In fact, there's very little good news in all of this, but there is a lot of hurt and there's a lot of disappointment. But not for us. Not for us. Because this is a proclamation of joyful news. Verse 10, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of not just joy, but great joy, which shall be to all people. This is a message that's supposed to go to all the world, Jesus told us, right? And so it's not about just being good and being on the good list and not the naughty list. It's not about self-reformation. It's not about trying harder and making resolutions and all of that kind of stuff. It's about being released from fear. It's about having peace with God. Being able to face God and not be afraid. It's not about getting to heaven and standing before God and then having your good deeds and your bad deeds put on a scale to see which weighs the most. It's not about that. It's knowing that Jesus has paid for our sins and paid for them in full so that when we die, we are welcomed into heaven just as Jesus was welcomed. That's what it's about. It's about God providing a savior it always goes back to God and what God does for us not what we do for God what God does for us and thirdly the world doesn't get this because it's about the lordship of Jesus did you notice that the angel said in verse 11 for there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior now only sinners need a savior only sinners need a savior and jesus christ came to be a savior from our sins and then it tells us who he is this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord what is a lord master the boss the what pardon me the one who's in control the one you are supposed to submit to and submit to him um, as lord jesus is lord we say in our services why do we say that because he is the pandemic's not lord the government's not lord society is not lord culture is not lord even christmas is not lord jesus is lord and the bible says in romans 10 9 if you will confess with your mouth the lord jesus or jesus as lord and along with that believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you'll be saved simply saying he's the boss 
He's the one who has the plan. There's no other way to heaven but through him. He's the perfect sacrifice who paid for our sins in full and he was raised from the dead. That's what salvation is. And so the uh, world doesn't get that. Let me just emphasize this. He was not a victim. He was not a victim. He's Lord. Why was there no room at the end? Because that was the plan of Jesus Christ. He knew that when he came to earth. Why was he born in Israel? And why did he live in poverty? Why was he living in Galilee? Why did he have to run for his life? Well, he didn't, but his parents did. In uh, uh, run for his life going to Egypt. Why was Herod after him? Why all of this kind of stuff? Why did most of the world not even know that he was even born? Born in obscurity. Isn't that all sad? Isn't it all tragic? Baby shivering in the cold and all of that kind of stuff. Folks, listen. That was the plan Jesus is Lord he was in perfect control of his life and he's the one who made the plan and perfectly carried it out or executed it and he didn't have to alter his plan in any way shape or form he never had to go "Uh oh I didn't know they were going to do that it was always according to plan there was uh, no alteration. There was no adaptation. There was no adjustment. He was in perfect control of the whole thing. In fact, even when he was on the cross, he was in perfect control of, of, of what happened there. And even when he died, it's as if that when he said, it is finished, the sin had been paid for, God's justice had been satisfied. Well, there's no sense in sticking around anymore. And so we bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Even Pilate was um, surprised that Jesus had died so soon. Why? Because no one was ever born like him of a virgin. No one ever lived like him, a perfect life, pleasing God and in control of everything that happened. And no one ever died like him. He died on his terms when he was ready to die. And no one was ever raised from the dead. Other people have been raised up temporarily, Lazarus, for example, but they had to die again. Jesus is the only one. He'll never be put to an open shame again. And he will never face death again and this is all in spite of the world's opposition but this world doesn't understand that they think of Jesus as a poor helpless baby lying in straw oh my goodness isn't that terrible nope he's Lord it's the plan it's the plan and you don't get saved until you submit to Jesus as Lord and then number four they don't understand grace and peace on earth. This is not about reforming the world, making the world a little bit better, trying harder, cleaning up some things, uh, all of the stuff that we try to do. Again, I'm not opposed to those things, but that's not really the purpose of the incarnation of Christ. Suddenly there was with the angels, verse 13, a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. We kind of got that, didn't we? But look at this next thing. And on earth peace and goodwill toward men. There's uh, something here that's happening that's unexpected. We would not expect a little baby being born 2,000 years ago in a stable placed in a manger. And he's in a nation like Israel. He's in a little town of Bethlehem. And uh, we wouldn't expect to know anybody or hear anything from that kid, right? And yet he changed the world change the calendar we still worship him today this is unexpected and it's also unearned 
God did not look down from heaven and say, well, you are worthy of the Messiah. No, they were anything but that. This was not a gathering of the faithful. This was more like, oh, come all ye unfaithful. There's a song uh, by that, by the way, and it's so true. This is a gathering of the unfaithful, the needy, the sinners. The shepherds are considered to be among the worst of society. They couldn't even testify legally in a court of law in that day. It was assumed that if you saw a shepherd and he had a goat or he had milk or something like that, he must have stolen it. And yet that's, well, that's the one to whom the, the birth was revealed, right? And it's not announced to the religious or the spiritually elite or the proud or anything. This is something that is undeserved and unequaled. And it is good news. It has great joy and it is eternal. And this is the message that we are commanded to spread in the Great Commission. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That really is good news if we understand who we really are and who he really is and how he is the one who bridged the gap and came for us to be our Redeemer. So the world cannot help but miss the true meaning of Christmas and the benefits of knowing and believing God. But we have no excuse and we also have a great opportunity. And I think at this time of the year, it's almost like God has opened up a door for us that you could drive a Mack truck through. And here's the question, what will we do for it? And I think if you go back to point one and you aim your Christmas at the glory of God in the incarnation of Christ, I think everything else will start to fall into place. But it begins with us, doesn't it? And my prayer is that you will have great joy during this season and that the peace of God will rule and reign in your heart and that as a result, you will have opportunities to testify of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Hey, let's do it and let's take advantage of this and do it again for the glory of God. Thank you for your time and I do pray that the Lord blesses you this week.